Say that the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. That's correct. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Oh, I'm here. I think the real question is, are you? Whoa, in your face. Yeah, I showed up. I'm ready to do this thing. Where are you? Yeah, uh, you're, you're actually you? physically looking at me. I'm here as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I started doing CrossFit recently. It just there's no reason. That you, you set the world record in the amount of time of thinking of CrossFit and mentioning CrossFit. <laughs> Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastor Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. I have a serious question, which is: Is Jed juicing for this podcast? Well, he's, he's so fired up. He's juicing and doing the podcast. It's hard to say which one preceded the other. <laughs> like if if Jed takes like if you take anabolic steroids, does that increase your ability to give sound biblical wisdom? Clearly, well, in Can't the hurt. short term it does, but you know there there are long term consequences. Well, you, you end up crashing. You exactly know. right. Well, I that brings I think up, the point is Jed's going to be held out of the Podcasting Hall of Fame now. <laughs> podcasting little, Writers of America don't look kindly on this kind of thing. Little asterisks. Here's the thing is, uh, you know, it's actually true that this... Po- I, I think we've all very rarely done this podcast unmedicated. Yep. That's I think true. that's mainly you. It's mainly me. Uh, I've had uh, health issues and concerns and so forth. But, As the uh, body ages. Uh, yeah. Which is literally exact words Glenn's doctor has said to him. Yes. Why is this happening, Doc? Um, oldness. That's his answer to everything. Well, you know, as the body ages. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have an email. Is it pertaining to someone asking us for wisdom, Matt? No, it's someone giving us a ridiculous T-shirt. Oh, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Well, as you may remember from a couple episodes ago, our friends Haley and Andrew down there in Nashville sent in a picture of the worst T-shirt any of us had ever seen. Hmm. The purely loving my husband. And I haven't haven't even even met him yet. yet. (laughs) Yep. So as you also may remember, Jed did a certain amount of cajoling, begging, borrowing, bribing, and pleading to get them to send us the shirt. Well, it was it was a, a, a lot like sort of uh, the the dance of Salome, you know, where she uh, wow. you wow. know uh, you know to, to to entice them. Yeah, it was verbal, but still, it was a lot like that. I don't think it was. Okay, it was very much not like that. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think you remember that story very clearly. No, no, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> details and yeah. whatnot. Well, here's the thing. Um, there was a lot of cajoling, and here's the important thing. This is an important update. We have a T-shirt on the way. Mm. Wow. Got an email coming from Haley. Men of Say That. Mm, Thanks right. for giving the terrible T-shirt the proper amount of ridicule it deserves on last week's episode. I think, if anything, we came up a little short, but it's good to know. Yeah. You'll be happy to hear that the T-shirt is now in our possession. Woo! Wait, I thought she was too ashamed to purchase the T-shirt because of the hipster friends at the thrift store. Maybe well, she, she found was. people who were on a different shift, or maybe the promise of half of Jed's kingdom motivated her properly. <laughs> My tiny, tiny kingdom. Yep. You'll be happy to hear that the t-shirt is now in our possession and on its way to Say That World headquarters. Woo! Unfortunately, 
Uh-oh. It appears as though it would maybe fit an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> so it's unlikely you will be able to make Jed put it on and wear it around Moody's campus. I don't know. Here's That's... the thing, Haley. You underestimate Glenn's motivation. That's correct. And his ingenuity. I, here's, I'm guaranteeing you this. We, we have a tailor up here that we like to use. Yeah. She's yeah. a nice Middle Eastern gal named Alia. And if it took taking this T-shirt to Alia... And getting her to just merge it with another T-shirt, right. Glenn would do so it. that Glenn would do that. Oh yes, no question about it. Maybe with what you could do is you could sort of split it up the sides, right? And then have like a, a like where it would be like shoelaces, like sure. a corset. Wait, yeah. wait, can we put can we put beads on the shoelaces? Sure. Yeah. Heck yeah, we can put beads. I think Maybe there should be sequins. beads. Like it, it would be like a it it. Would, so it'd be kind of like a fringe thing going on with, with like with, you know, multicolored beads. I feel like this is turning into an outfit one of the members of TLC wore to the VMAs in like 1998. A little bit. My key thing is I need more sequins in my life. Mm. Can we work some sequins into this? Bedazzler. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you do you need something bedazzled to go with your crocodile shoes? Dude, I have crocodile shoes. I ain't playing either. Yeah, yeah. that's for real, Jed Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> at a thrift store here in where we live, purchased crocodile shoes. That's correct. And then went home and looked up the price of the crocodile shoes and laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> yeah, thrifting, this is actually true for Matt, too, but that's kind of a hobby a little bit. That's um, true. And, uh, you know, I found a, you know, a pair of, of dress shoes that, um, you know, I they were like $20. And um, I was like, oh, those are kind of cool, and they fit. Sure, you yeah, know, that's, that's fun. And I, I took them home, and it... It turns out that was about one percent of their original uh, Good value. So um, yeah, there's a there's a thrift store where we live is a relatively nice um, sub suburb, kind of right right outside Chicago. So the Chicago city limit ends at this block called Austin Boulevard, and then where kind of the next thing over is Oak Park Forest Park. But it's adjoining to a place called River Forest, which is consistently voted one of the top ten nicest suburbs in America. Yeah, like couple of million dollar homes none of us live in that part yeah no. but yeah. we are we are literally on the wrong side of the l tracks from it to it so but what happens there's a couple of thrift stores around where we live where it's clearly um women of certain means who have decided one christmas that they're just going to make their husband dress better yeah yeah and then he <laughs> never wears the things yeah and they end up at these thrift stores and jed and i go and buy them yes that's correct and that's the story of how i got a brooks brothers suit for twenty dollars <laughs> wow <laughs> because some lady bought it for her husband she said he, he's not wearing the pleated black suit to these weddings anymore <laughs> brooks brothers and he just said nah <laughs> nah yeah and the important thing is we have a ridiculous t-shirt yes. on our way so there's a couple of things I want to point out and brainstorm here. Right. One is we can't be trusted with this kind of power. Every time we put out a call for something and you people meet it, you're only feeding our megalomaniacal. You're making it worse. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. But don't other, encourage it. Yeah, don't, don't encourage us is really the subtext of most of these emergency segments. But the other thing is, we, okay, so we're going to put Jed in it and go to Moody. Right. No doubt about that. Right. What are some other plans? Uh, which, by the way, I don't think you declared emergency. I Did think you? it's time. I he didn't know. declare it. He didn't he, declare it. I, I, you know what? I, I, wasn't paying attention. The I don't normally declare emergency. of this podcast is just, I remember when it was fantastic. You but, remember when people cared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I declare emergency. Okay. Come on. Because I was a very subdued emergency. <laughs> <laughs> I declare a very disappointed emergency. <laughs> is, is this Glenn's suburban mom character? <laughs> exactly right. It's not an angry emergency. It's, it's just, just a very disappointed. disappointed. Very emergency. disappointed. Well, okay. Can Wait till we... your emergency father gets home. <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah, my question but... is, can... Can we make like a? Uh, can we make some kind of Facebook group where the cover of the group is just a picture of Jed and the T-shirt, and just see how sincerely Christian we can make it, and see how many people we get to subscribe to it. I think Facebook has has rules against that kind of obscenity being put up on there, <laughs> <laughs> especially if the beads and the fringe. Yeah, yeah, it might trigger some censors. Here, here's an idea. Tell me. I think we take it to our bridge service. So every you guys don't know about maybe not know about the preserves. Every week we have four speakers, one of whom is on our staff, and we have a punishment T-shirt. And if you do the worst sermon, the next time you come, you got to wear the T-shirt. Sure, there you go. Sure, I'm not scared. I'm ready. Yeah. That's because you don't preach. Yeah, that's why I'm not scared. <laughs> well, I think other people being punished, but not me, is perfect. Well, Wait, I, is there a possibility if this scenario goes down that Pete might have to wind up wearing the shirt at some point? Oh, that makes me so there's, happy. There's a few times Pete and I would be in a death struggle for, like, you know, we'd have Glenn and one of our really, really good local pastors, and it would be a, it would be a pretty hellacious race for third at that point between Pete well, and I. And you have to picture a, a child's medium <laughs> on a guy who's, what, about 6'3", 6'4", yeah. or something he, like yeah, that? Yeah, he's at least 6'5", I would think. So yeah, I Pete's think... beard weighs as much as your average eleven-year-old child. Yeah, well, wasn't Pete a linebacker in high school? I think he was a lineman, actually. Yeah, big he... dude. Yeah. Well, here's what I here. here uh, first of all, uh, I am against a lot of these things that we're talking about here. But I think you're against most <laughs> of the things you say, oddly enough. <laughs> That's really true. I was against it before I was for it. But I think we have to circle back to the power that we're wielding. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Because here's what happened. We said, someone said, here's this ridiculous shirt. And here's what we said. Produce this shirt and grant it unto me. Bring me the broomstick. It, you know, and, and then it just happened. Right. Okay. And, and here's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. For chumps. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have, like, a whole lot of power, it's not yeah. absolute, but it's yeah. a lot of power, probably that's fine. Be great, man. You I know? wouldn't abuse that at all. So that's what I'm saying is... You there! Peel my grapes! I'm you sorry, know, you were saying. I'm just saying, let's... You know what I think. Let's try to see how far we can go before it corrupts us. Sure, absolutely. Let's test the limits. <laughs> yeah, it's the only way to find the boundary. Well, okay, so what demands do we want to make of our, and let's call them minions, <laughs> just to use a polite term? Uh, Glenn went from podcast co-host to cult leader so subtly I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's, uh, you know... It's not the first time I've been accused of such things, but anyway, <laughs> what I'd like to say is, uh, uh, you know, what 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 demands do we want to make? I mean, this is our time. Here. Well, I think one thing we should definitely do is, um, I'm, I hope I'm not alone in this. Watching the GI Joe cartoon in the 1980s, Lee, uh, I'm sure. assuming you're with me on that. Absolutely, come on. Okay. Knowing's half the battle. It, knowing is half the battle. That's why you shouldn't hide in that abandoned refrigerator, Timmy. Okay, so here's the thing. Cobra Commander, 
Uh, he had the face mask. Sure. And right, I feel right. like Glenn needs a Cobra Commander-esque helmet and face mask to really go into full evil overlord mode. Wow. So I think we need to commission our minions to locate the appropriate headgear for Darth Glenitus. Well, I, I think you, we're off to a good start. Let me just take that. Yeah. You want to build on top I of it? I want to build on top of it. Hit that. me. Tell me what you got. Uh... And I'm going to give us two options. Okay, lay it on me. Option one, Emperor, Toga. Sure. Nothing underneath. Sure. Well, of course. Floral you, you got to breathe. Yeah, exactly. You got to spread out. Unnecessary details. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, option number two, uh, silver jumpsuit. Okay. Inside the hollowed out volcano well, island. Well, yeah, obviously. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The silver, you know, the silver jumpsuit that right. sort of in the future they all have the same jumpsuit. Well, of course, yeah. yes. I'm not, I'm not clear on what you want the people to do here. Do you want them to procure these items for you? Yeah, or? set it up, and then, and then you want uh, to them to, you want our listeners to build you a lair. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Matt, and I'm podcasting layer. Now I'm going to educate you. Okay, <laughs> here's what the thing is. Here's a saying that I just came up with. You don't dress for the job that you have, you dress for the job you want. Wow, that's, that's why brilliant. I'm wearing the suit of armor. Well, this is what I'm saying is, <laughs> you get me the secret evil overlord lair. Sure. I get in there, I'm ready to be the, the you know, the cult leader overlord uh a uh, uh, totalitarian uh, dictator that's holding the world hostage through various uh, technologies. Okay. So I think that's the that's the key thing is we have to to get the right setup first. Well, I, I think it's highly possible that some of our listeners could at least Photoshop you into some sure. of these outfits. Sure, that seems like a good start. That's an excellent start. I think that's that's the, the exact kind of thing. In fact, let's just focus on that. If we and forget this Jesus thing, if we could really focus on what's the best <laughs> wow. outfit for Glenn to wear, <laughs> what's the best setup for his rise to power? So you're saying first in the third person, by the way, first outfit, right? Then people building you a big structure, and yeah. I'll go and home then and tower. say goodbye to my parents, and yeah. then sure. So outfit, right? Big structure with your name on it outside. Correct. <laughs> then right. power, right? Then money, then maybe Jesus. Th- this sounds like a model of let's call them super churches <laughs> that I've heard before. Super churches sounds awesome. I'd like to go to one of those things. I, that's probably way better than a regular church because it has super in Sure, their lighting rig costs $20,000. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like we can officially put, sound the call on the Mega Glenn Photoshop contest. Right. Totally. Um, you know, if you will Photoshop Glenn yes. into some form of evil overlord layer and or outfit, right. um, I'm thinking free trial of Bridgebox. Absolutely. Absolutely. No this doubt. also, this follows classic Photoshop. <laughs> this is a contest we didn't even throw out there. People just photoshopped them for us um glenn as doctor who sure was very popular we recently had glenn as the shortest chipmunk yes which was inappropriate (laughs) we covered that but uh yeah i think glenn is bond villain there's a new bond movie coming out i think glenn is bond villain is pretty good yes yes glenn shedding tears of blood let me tell you what you know (laughs) the the problem with people always referring to my shortness that's their their height supremacist (laughs) wow 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Gonna need you to say emergency off now. <laughs> Here's the thing. No, we're not building on that. I need you to say emergency off now. <laughs> emergency off. Thank High you. power. <laughs> That's oh. what you people believe oh, in. Man. Oh, wow. man. Oh. Boy, I'm really proud of myself. Man, Matt's. The, 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 was that the amount, moment, dude? The amount of we'll face palm will happening we? for Matt right now. <laughs> We'll I mean, see if anybody hears that. I'm going to have some very kind of um, a, a long, dark night of the soul with the edit button right there. <laughs> you know, you it's know so what? funny, but so terrible, which will win out. Haley and Andrew, look what you inflicted on the world. Look, what you look at did. how quickly we went from <laughs> someone gave me a T-shirt to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jed mentioned a free trial of Bridgebox if you Photoshop, and that's true. We'll give you a free month trial, but you don't even have to be good with Photoshop to get a free 48-hour trial. Wow. You can just follow the link we'll be putting up on our blogs and on our um, on our various Twitters and Facebooks. You can follow us on all the social medias. You can follow thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, uh, Facebook at The Bridge Chicago, Twitter.com slash TheBridgeCHI. We'll be putting up a link where you can go, give your email address. We'll send you a confirmation email. You confirm that email address. And then within 24 hours, we will send you a custom Bridgebox link that will be active for 48 hours, and you can check out Bridgebox. There's songs in there. There's sermons. There's PDFs of Bible studies. There's videos. There's guest devotionals. You can download them all. You keep them even after that trial is over, but the link's active for 48 hours. That's the best way for you to kind of try Bridgebox for yourself. Figure it out. Figure out what we're talking about. There's so much going on. Sometimes we feel like it's hard to describe, so we want to do this. Another big shout-out to our man, Adam Whedon, for Woo. doing the tech, the web design work to help set that up. Nice. So you can do that. You can also just straight up sign up. It's $8 a month. It's a way to support Ministry We Do in Chicago, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. There's also a Lee Younger version. That's a new song from Lee every month, and you can support the work he's doing down there with kids and other folks in the church, missionusa.com slash BBLY. If you have any problems with your sign-up, any other questions, or if you want to sign up for both bridge boxes for the super secret price of $12, email me, matt at missionusa.com. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. Came in anonymously on our Tumblr, and it says, I'm a young Christian woman lacking in female Christian mentors and role models. So while I'm busy finding one, and believe me, I will find one. I like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be neat to spend some time at least hearing about awesome Christian grown-up ladies. Would Jed Glenn and Lee be willing to share about how great their wives are and all the cool stuff they do? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. Uh, my wife, uh, uh, essentially, she does uh, all, a huge chunk of our administrative stuff for the ministry, uh, really, the only uh, reason any of us have ever get paid or have anything scheduled for people to show up at the right place is because of Jane. That's yep. right. Uh, she also uh, heads up our children's ministry. She organizes that, lays all that out. Um, uh, basically, it's extremely, extremely high-quality children's ministry. It takes place uh, in uh, the inner city at the same time as the bridge takes place. So she does... Uh, all of that. She actually hears the uh, the sermons and stuff through the Bridge podcast because she's doing uh, uh, her ministry when we're doing the Bridge. Um, uh, she also works with uh, with the other ladies here 
uh, the other wives on doing a, a women's ministry that happens as part of our ministry here at, in Chicago. It's extremely high quality. It does a, a, lo- a number of amazing things. And in many respects, the, the way that they do their ministry with each other has changed the way that we do our stuff with the guys and given us a different perspective on that. Uh, but um, to uh, to to be more clear on this, if I could, um, uh, and to tell a quick story afterwards, the thing about uh, me is that if you like the blog, if you like hearing me on the podcast in particular, uh, if you like hearing the, the sermon stuff that you might hear on the Bridge podcast, you need to recognize that being me is a two-person job. <laughs> so, uh, the whatever you see that you like, that's Jane as much as it is as it is me. Uh, while I'm answering stuff on the the blog, Jane is uh, you know ironing clothes and and folding clothes from the the dryer, uh, and then afterwards we're you know going out and getting a bagel and sitting down and talking about stuff that's coming in on the podcast or or, the, or that I'm receiving. Uh, on the blog and and in kicking around ideas and I'm going home and typing those up uh, while she does administrative work in the office and all that kind of stuff. It's a two-person job. There would not be an Uncle Glenn blog without Jane. Uh, she urged me many times to do it and I told her I don't want to and I don't, I don't think that's smart and I don't want to do it. And I was so, 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 so wrong. Uh, she was so right, and uh, so if you again, if you appreciate any of those things, you really have my wife to thank uh, as much, if not more, than me. Quick story: working with a guy in uh, Cook County Jail. He's from the far, far north side of Chicago. Uh, he gets released, and he told me several times while he was locked up that he really wanted to reach his neighborhood. I hear that a certain amount of the time, and I never know quite what to think or expect on that. Uh, sometimes when you get out, you sort of idealize what you think you're going to do while you're locked up, and it doesn't quite work out this way. But uh, he was for real, real serious about about doing that. And he, uh, we we drove to the neighborhood, and he started uh, searching, r- walking around, finding guys, and bringing them over to me and introducing me and saying, uh, "Here's this guy." Uh, he came to see me in, in jail. He's a real man of God. He's here to tell us about Jesus. Go. And so that's how I got into doing that ministry in that particular neighborhood. And eventually he found the guy who called shots from that neighborhood, brought him over to me, sat him in the in, in the truck, uh, the cab of the truck next to me. Uh, myself and that shot caller were talking for quite a little while. He's very, like a lot of gang leaders, very reserved, very quiet, very studious, very, you know, thinking things through, uh, isn't going to knee-jerk react to anything he hears. As I'm talking to him, he says, look, I think what you're saying uh, is good. I'm interested in hearing more about this for myself. I'm interested in this neighborhood hearing more about what you're talking about. I want you to come back, and I want us to talk some more, but uh, I've got one problem I need to solve that I want you to solve for me. Uh, Those who know this mission field know that that's a test, and it's a test you want to pass if you want to do ministry in this neighborhood. He says, I've got a problem I want you to solve. 
I've got a gal who's living in the dope house. This is uh, a house that they will rent and, and use to divide up the dope and, and bag it up, sell it, and whatever. But no one lives in it because uh, if the cops raided it, they'd, they'd all be arrested in it. So it's an empty house where they just do all this stuff. Well, they had a young gal who was living in that house because she was homeless because her mother had kicked her out because her mother was not being a responsible mom. Uh, so she's got nowhere to live. They took her in. He, this guy explained to me, this is a gal who's a straight-A student in high school and isn't in school, and we're taking care of her instead of her mom. How, how on earth did we end up in this? You do all this uh, ministry stuff, you fix it. So I recognize this is the difference between me doing ministry in this neighborhood and me not doing it. So I look the guy dead in the eye and say, you can consider this problem squashed. She's coming home with me tonight. Uh, because that's you know, that's what you say to make the ministry go forward. I I get the gal, pack her stuff up, put her in my car. It's about at this point maybe one two o'clock in the morning. I pull up to the apartment that uh, Jane and I were living, and at the time I wake my wife up from a dead sleep, and say, "This is a person who's living here now," until we figure out how to get her into school and back into to, to the house. Here's what I'm trying to tell you about my wife, just to illustrate the thing. There was already a bag, a Ziploc bag with toothbrush, toothpaste, uh, makeup remover, the everything. There was already a, 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 a container that had the bedding and the pillowcases <laughs> and whatever. The woman literally instantaneously went into motion as if we had practiced this a thousand times. <laughs> fire drill just yeah just up you know is there's food there she's you know whatever uh i mean there was no freak out there was no hesitation there was no you know complaining no griping no nothing uh the next morning that child was enrolled in high school the the that afternoon she was home with mom so to to kind of if i can illustrate uh, my wife is that uh, perfect definition, I think, of a Proverbs 31 kind of woman who has that kind of res resourcefulness and whatever. So l I went into a ton of detail because she's an amazing gal. But uh, if you want a, a picture of the kind of wives that we have that we work with, uh, I think that's the way to look at it. It's all great stuff. Lee, why don't you go next and give us a little bit about Christy, but also why don't you take us into... I'm um, going in a little bit about what a gal like this should be looking for in a Christian female role model. Well, um, absolutely. And, and, you know, as far as I, I can say uh, in, in a similar way to Glenn, there is absolutely no way that I can be me without her. Um, there's, there's nothing I can do in my ministry without her. She is uh, number one, like she's my number one teammate, my number one cheerleader. She's the person who calls me out when I'm out of bounds. She's the one who helps me see things about myself. I don't see, uh, you know, we've been married, you know, 13 and a half years. And in that time we've done, oh gosh, we've, we've led worship together, Bible studies together. We've done ministry with couples together. We've done prison ministry. We, we've gone behind bars together. Um, and led a group of women in singing and, you know, and then, you know, she, I, you know, I'll peel off and do some counseling. She'll peel off and just pray for girls and, and, and all this kind of stuff. We've, we've done funerals together just kind of everything. And, and she's got, you know, 
all kinds of ministry at the church and in, you know, teaching children's groups and stuff like that. She's got all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, but one of the coolest things about, uh, uh, about Christy and I, and I feel like this is something that could apply to anybody is that more than anybody that I've ever known, she takes her natural gifts, just the, the things that make her, her, and she applies those in a spiritual context. So she just uses the things that make her, her in, in the kingdom of God. And, and sometimes, sometimes that stuff is not even intentional. It's just her being her. So, you know, Christy is probably, probably one of the most natural counselors that I've ever met just because she is very, very good at, you know, being with a person, asking them about themselves, to listening to them, encouraging them, just being around this woman. You feel better when you leave. And she, you know, if she gets into a conversation with you, you will leave feeling ministered to. And, and of course, uh, these guys, all the guys on this podcast know Christy well enough to know that that's true. Matt, more than anybody, because he's been around us and, you know, been in our home and been in our Bible studies and and been, you know, on, you know, teamed up with us on so many things. But I I think that's one of the things that, that I admire about her so much. It, It comes across in her parenting, which she has taught me basically everything that I know about parenting just by watching her. But, but the, the thing that I would say to any, uh, to any woman who, you know, is looking for a role model and stuff like that is find somebody who is just, who is figuring out who has God made me to be and just naturally and just, you know, uh, gets out and, and uses that in, in a natural way in ministry to other people. It's the thing that I admire so much about my wife. I just, I always feel like just her showing up on any given day in any conversation or situation and just being herself um, it, it's the Lord uses her in so many ways. And I feel like you, you want, you know, for, for Christian gals out there, that's what you want to do is find out who has God made me to be and how can I most naturally and most effectively just be myself and let Jesus kind of get out of the way of myself and let Jesus use me in, 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 uh, you know, in all the different and beautiful ways that he wants to. It's great stuff. Jed, brag on your lady. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that might take some time to do well. That it, it might. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit about Hallie. So um, I would definitely echo everything you're already hearing, which is it's it's a team. The the one difference is that in some pretty big arenas, actually, Hallie is the star in, in our uh, uh, life. She's the glitter. I'm, I'm the glue. I'm more of the behind-the-scenes guy. So um, uh, Hallie um, uh, uh, had a career in the military, actually. She was in the Army. She was a, a captain. And uh, she actually spent uh, 15 months in Iraq, uh, and her work there was what you call a logistician. So her, her job was how do you move things from one place to another? Um, and in this case, that those things were billions of dollars worth of ammunition and explosives. So you have to move them not only efficiently, but very securely, yeah. very carefully, right. or very bad things happen. So she actually became a Christian, got saved while she was in the Army, and then she finished that and, and came to Chicago. And she wanted to be involved in helping people in some way. She's actually a volunteer at the bridge, which is how we met. But today, um, she works, uh, she has a completely secular day job. Uh, it's Technically, it's a, a medical nonprofit is who she works for. But her work uh, revolves around um, 
providing, basically setting up outreach events to provide health care to um, disadvantaged, impoverished, and immigrant women communities. Um, right. That's that's actually what they do. So they go to uh, cities all over the United States and provide health screenings um, uh, specifically for women and provide uh, health care uh, uh, on the spot. It's an amazing thing. They they very literally save lives. It's, it's, it's just awesome. It's just amazing stuff. And it, you uh, they're pleased to have her because she's a brilliant logistician. Um, and you might guess uh, bringing together um, uh, large communities and then doctors and hospitals and medical equipment and whatnot is it's actually very hard to pull all that off, and that's what she does. That's kind mm. of her thing. Well, in all that, again, she's kind of the star of that. Um, so I'm actually the one that's often doing errands and uh, dropping stuff off at the, you know, at the cleaner and picking up the groceries and 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 that kind of thing. But again, it's the same thing these other brothers are describing, where we're a team. Um, right, you right. know, um, Hallie isn't able to do that work with providing health care for disadvantaged women, which, to be clear, is something Jesus cares deeply about. Uh, she's not able to do that if I'm not running errands. Right. Um, it's it's a team effort. And it's a team victory. I actually asked Hallie about this question earlier today. And the one thing that she said that I did want to bring out for sure, is she said when she first became a Christian, the, she had an idea that there was kind of direct vocational ministry and then just kind of everything else. Mm. Um, you know, uh, but what she's discovered is that um, God can use you to uh, impact the world and and to do things that are close to the heart of Jesus in all kinds of ways. If you listen to this podcast, you've heard us say that before, but it, it bears repeating. Um, vocational ministry is not the only way to serve the Lord. Right. Um, like at all. Mm, right. um, it's one way to serve the Lord, and it's the thing that, that all four of us on this podcast have been called by the Lord to do. Um, but uh, what you hear us describing about our wives, none of them work directly in vocational ministry, right. but all of them are having a huge impact for the Lord in various ways, in very, right. in very different, very unique, very cool ways. And so... Um, I hope one of the things that you'll take away from this is that to, to be looking for in the long term in a marriage relationship, that team aspect in your own unique way that you're able to uh, further the kingdom, do things that Jesus cares about, whether or not that looks like full time vocational ministry. Right. It's a fantastic point. I think it's a good one to close on as we talk, think, look about the part of this question of looking for uh, adult female role models. There, one of the great um, unfairnesses of church, and there are many towards women, is they're just harder to find because they're not out front. Yeah, right. You know, if you're a guy and you walk into any random church, you, you at least got the pastor and the dude leading worship, and there's probably, you know, a list of male elders in the bulletin. Mm-hmm. So you got a place to start. It's a little yeah. harder to find women because a lot of the stuff, as you're hearing described on this, and there's certainly some women in full-time vocational ministry, but it's just not as many. But there are a lot of really good women in, probably in your church or in ministries you work with who know a lot more and do a lot cooler stuff than you would guess at first glance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guarantee you at all the uh, the kind of the day activities, be that uh, corporate job or doing stuff with other moms, whatever that all three of these guys wives do there are women around there who have no idea. Yeah. And if, as mm. they find out, they start to see these people in a new light It becomes someone, this is someone I can go to, but it's a little hard to find, but don't limit your scope in looking for role models to people who are in vocational ministry or people who are up front. Yeah, absolutely. Right. right the definitely. real stuff goes on behind the scenes and that goes yeah. both ways. Cause as Jed pointed out, all the marriages you're here about this podcast there's plenty of stuff that the wives do where they are out front, where 
these guys are behind the scenes. That's yeah, right. Definitely. And it's actually, a, it's a more even split than you would guess. Yeah. yeah. But it's just what the optics of it always are. So sure. there, there are really awesome women in every church in the world continues to exist because of yes. smart, capable women yep. who actually definitely. keep all that running together. Yes. I don't know if you've ever been around a pastor on the week, like an administrator or children's Mr. Corey, whatever, is gone, that dude's in a blind panic. Yeah, that's right. The whole week. So that's they're right. definitely out there. You just maybe have to widen your scope to look for them. You bet. Move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr. It says, which Bible is considered the inspired, inerrant word of God? The right one. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> is it the original Hebrew? Is it also inspired and inerrant if translated into English? If so, which English version? How can we be sure that the words we're reading were legitimately translated? Mm. If we can't trust the Bible, we have no source of faith, and everything falls apart, right? Lee, why don't you start us off? Well, um, yeah, thanks for writing the question. I can say that I have been, and, and I bet this is true for, for these other guys as well, but I have been in ministry situations before where people who have come in have come in and said, you know, this is the only Bible that counts, and this and this dude that just came in and talked to you, or this dude that that's about to come in and talk, to you, and and by that he means me, um, he's going to come in and he's going to be lying because he's got this other version. And and look, the the Bible is very 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 important, but people can get really hung up on some of this stuff, and so it's an important thing to talk about. We believe that the Bible is completely inerrant. In other words, like there's no mistakes, and in, in that. Every single word that's written in there is exactly the words that God intended to be written. And like you can and you can find this in different places in scripture, but what it says about it what the Bible says about itself is that God by his spirit guided individuals to write the things that they wrote. Now, they wrote through their own personalities and experiences, but every single word they wrote was guided by God so that it's it's everything God wanted us to know. Which is interesting because it's not everything we would want to know. Um, it's not everything we should like to know. It, and and we should also say it's not all pleasant. Uh, it's not all good. I mean, at times the Bible is the, the Bible just seems completely out of control. At times it seems raw. It seems ridiculous. Sometimes the stuff that that it talks about is even horrible. I mean, it, it always shocks me that when I see like um, Bibles that are written for little kids that they have like some little kid's version of the story of Samson and <laughs> and we should be clear the story of Samson is not for children like no. at, like at all there's I've nothing seen, uh, I've seen some with uh, Abraham and Isaac in the in yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. story book children's story books that's really yeah. not the good bedtime story mm. no this is not these are not things that children need to be uh need to be told about but st- there's stuff in the bible that's that's absolutely horrible i mean horrifying stuff but god put it in there because this is the stuff that he wants us to know everything is true in that these things happened this is the way the world is this is the way life is this is the way the human heart is this is why jesus needed to come it is a raw and a true account of the world and the trouble that we're in but it's not all good or pleasant or anything like that it's just exactly what God wanted it to be. And so that's what we mean when we say it's inerrant, in, in that God, by his spirit, led these individuals to write all of these words. This is what he wanted to be in there. 
That's a really good place to start. And Glenn, why don't you walk us through a little bit of these uh, translation issues? Well, you, you asking the question, um, how can we know that the words we are reading are legitimately translated? You can't know that. Uh, you don't know that. You, you absolutely should figure that out for yourself. I think that's a great idea. I think everybody, uh, uh, everybody who is a Christian should spend time studying the Greek language. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think the major result of you doing that will be that all this controversial stuff will go right out the window. Um, we've, me we've mentioned it before, but I want to mention to it, uh, the, this book to you again. Basic Greek in 30 Minutes a Day. That's by a guy named James Found, as in lost and found. Basic Greek in 30 Minutes a Day by James Found. Uh, I want you to, to look that up on uh, Amazon, whatever have you. Buy that book. Stick it on the shelf. When you get time to deal with it, you'll get time to deal with it. You want to have it in your library, in your possession. Super easy. You'll learn a ton of stuff very, very quickly that will help you in your walk. No question about it. Here's the thing. I hear a lot of people talk about this translation accuracy stuff. And, like, it's controversial. And who let's you know, and who's to say, and besides, and so forth. So you know what? This is we are going to do it right here, right now. We are going to get into Bible translation controversy, and I think you will see that it is very, very different from what you think it is. Okay, I so, really, really wish we had the budget to put in a drop of Prince's song controversy here. <laughs> but just imagine we did that. Yeah, yeah. That, just use your imagination. Okay, I'm going to uh, introduce two Greek words to you. Uh, one uh, Greek word that I want us to look at is a word called doulos. Okay, very popular uh, word, comes up a ton, a ton, a ton in the New Testament. Um, that word is translated into the English word servant in the New Testament. When you read that word uh, uh, doulos in the New Testament, it, it, it's translated into servant in some places, and in other places, in other translations, it's translated as the term slave. Well, a servant and a slave are two very different things. Right. So that means one is the compromised, wimpy version, and the other one is the extreme and raw version. And what we got here, y'all, is a controversy. <laughs> that, that 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 someone is in a conspiracy to 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 water down the word of God. Sure, this is the kind of thing when you're behind bars or in the neighborhood or working with people who have severe drug issues. This is the kind of thing they want to talk about, right? You bet. Except for not. Okay, so here's the thing about that: <laughs> is if we go and look up this word "doulos," what we find is. Uh, th that it was used a lot in, in the uh, New Testament times. And what we know is it's the, the word did mean slave. Now, here's the problem. For Americans, when we hear the word slave, we think of American slavery as it existed in this country. That was actually a very different uh, thing than what existed in biblical times. As you know, or maybe you don't know from the Old Testament, you weren't allowed to have a slave for longer than seven years. The Old Testament gives instructions on that. But at the end of that time, a slave could choose to still continue to live with his master and continue to live in that house. But he's doing that by choice. 
And the, the Bible talks about how you would uh, lean that uh, servant's ear against a mantelpiece, or, or the mantle of the house, and you would uh, drive a, 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 a nail through it, and you would wear a ring in that ear. You, th there's an old uh, hymn called Pierce My Ear, Lord, and that's where it comes from. But this is someone who once was a slave is choosing to live as a servant. That is a, when you read that word in the Old Testament, it should explode with that picture of I once was uh, in bondage, now I'm free, and now I choose to live as a servant. What English word do you use to translate that concept? You can use slave, because that kind of fits, because sure. uh, you're living as a slave. You can use the word servant because you're you're actually free the way a servant is free, so that fits. But neither tells the whole story. So if you're trying to find one word in English for doulos, you're going to have a lot of problems. Now, that leads us to another word I want us to look at, lutro. Okay, due is to, 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 to bind, as in you're, you're bound in service. Luo is the opposite, to set free. So lutro means, this is the, the, the dictionary definition for the Greek word lutro, okay? To release on receipt of ransom. That probably means almost nothing to most people. If I say... Well, if you're you a kidnapper, it would mean something to yeah, you. Yeah, you know, this... <laughs> you, you, it means you, something to Liam Neeson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he has a particular set of skills, y'all. Stop taking stuff from this guy. I keep trying to tell people. Here's the thing is, if uh, th that w one word in Greek means to release on receipt of ransom. Someone's been kidnapped. Somebody's been uh, uh, taken away. And we give a ransom, and then someone is released. That's lutro, okay? Um, so, uh, and that word is super key in the New Testament because it's talking about how God has lutroed us uh, from the sin that we were in bondage of. He, well, okay, so what English word do you use? Well, the Bible uses the word redeem to use to, to, for that, for, that uh, to, for lutro, is, is redeem. In other places, it actually uses the word ransom some, in some places, some translations. But here's what I would suggest to you. If you ask the average individual, what does the word redeem mean? I think they would have a hard time defining it. Yeah, they would. I think right. that's sort of a nothing word, really. And for, we don't use that word a lot. We, it, doesn't, it isn't charged with spiritual meaning. But to release on receipt of ransom, that is a meaty, a weighty idea. That's a big charged concept. If you turn that into the English word redeem, I think you've lost almost everything that's in there. Is that a mistranslation? No. It's the right English word for it. So there's no controversy there. Have we lost uh, the, the inspired word of whatever? Nope. We didn't. That's not the problem there. The problem is that uh, the, the Bible has so much more for us to learn beyond a mere translation. That the, mm. that the translation is giving us one step closer to the meaning that's there, but that we have to dive deeper. Yes, that means maybe learning a little bit more Greek, like I've tried to, to show you, but it's about recognizing that there's layers and layers and layers and layers, and that the more different translations we look at, the more good Bible teachers we have, the more we get down to those layers. Absolutely, Jed. 
Well, you've heard a lot of great stuff. Uh, let's take a just a slightly different angle on this, and and that is um, uh, the Bible is inerrant, and of course that's you know a. a something that we take on faith. Uh, but here's the thing we can know for sure is your ability to understand it is not. Um, right, right. That's um, a big key point right there. We could have the most perfect translation of the Bible in the world is, you know, um, you know, Jesus could give his, his authorized English version. Your ability to understand it would still be imperfect That's because right. you are an imperfect human being. Right. What right. that ought to lead to is humility. Right. That's what that ought to lead to. Um, it's a funny thing. People that are really into it's got to be this particular translation, it's got to be the King James, or got to be this, are some of the least humble people I've ever met in my right. entire life. There you go. Um, the Bible says that we should work out, this is a quote, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right. Here's part of what that means. Don't assume you know more than you do. Right. Um, don't uh, another place it says very literally. Don't have a high opinion of yourself. Right. Um, um, the right posture is to say, I don't understand all of this book. I'm not fully living out the parts I do understand. Um, I'm trying to take it one day at a time and stay close to Jesus as best I'm able in his strength. Mm -hmm. That's the right posture for a Christian. Do we want to have as accurate of a translation of the Bible as we can get? Absolutely we do. Do we want to work towards understanding that translation as best we're able? Absolutely we do. Do we want to work towards living out what those words say? Hello. We super, super do. But the thing that we need in all that is humility. Right, I'm a fallen right. person. Mm -hmm. I have an incomplete understanding. Paul says as much. Now we see through a glass darkly. Right. right we dude. see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Um, and that's not about doubting nope. what we're hearing. It's about recognizing there's always something more about it, that it and that I have more I need to know on this. Absolutely right. Here's the final thing I'd say to you on it is... Perfect clarity in hearing doesn't result in perfect obedience, and I'll prove right. it to you. The Bible says that Moses spoke with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Right. That's directly, I think that's Exodus, it was directly from, from the Old Testament, it says that about Moses. Moses was a major league screw-up. Correct. Sure. That, that dude didn't know what to do most of the time. Didn't, didn't make it to the promised land. And didn't make it to the promised land. Right. Um, this was a guy who was directly getting a word from God with right. no filter and no translation problems and still screwed it up. Right. The thing that we want to focus our attention on is, Lord, give me the courage and the faith, which come from you, to follow mm -hmm. the parts I do understand. Right. Um, you right. know, we can, we can worry about all of the intricacies when we get there, right. but give me the courage today to live out today the things that I do understand out of your word. That's the right posture for a Christian to have. That's the posture every single one of us on this podcast are trying to have, and that's the posture you should try to have. Yeah. It's absolutely a great point. I want to end this on one real simple point but it's one that d maybe doesn't get banned enough I don't know where the question where your motivation to ask this question came from it's a very good question it's something that everybody whether you grow up in church or you come to the faith later in life you have to sit down and deal with this at some point mm -hmm. but um, it's a very popular kind of um, super hardcore internet atheist argument of, well, yeah, it may be the original but how do you know and they trust all the here's the thing if you're willing to grant and this is an act of faith that there's an omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent being who wrote, told, inspired people to write something down. 
then it's not much of a leap of faith to say all the trans he has a hand in the translation. Yeah. Right. I think if you this is one of those things where you got to think out the scenario you're worried about here. And I think a lot of people have this vision of God in heaven looking at a bunch of people going, no, that's not what I meant. If only right. there was something I, God, could do. <laughs> right. But I am foiled right, right, by right. this. And another thing is, actually, uh, Lee and I at least know a guy who works for the Wycliffe Project. Mm-hmm. Right. When they do a lot of translation, there, actually, there are a lot of languages the Bible has not been translated into yet. Right. And they got people working on this. And here's the thing. They're super smart people. Yep. Ooh, yeah. And they do Big it time. by committee. Right, right, Occasionally, right. you get a guy yeah. like a Eugene Peterson who's just a brain on top of a brain who writes by himself. But a lot of these, you know, any mainstream Bible, NIV, ESV, New King James, NASB, whatever, Absolutely. there was a massive collection oh, yes. of scholars who looked yes. at this stuff. Yes. And sometimes, that's, as Glenn's talking about, that's why you get maybe words that don't convey the whole thing, because what they're aiming for is being as correct as possible right. with the knowledge that there are study Bibles and there's, and you can dig sure. into more. Exactly. exactly. So, but it's not a huge leap of faith. If you're going now, there's a big leap of faith of there is a God and I can know him. And this book is one of the ways that that happens. That's a huge leap of faith. No, we're not right. discounting that. But once you're there and if people translate into other languages, he is an all powerful being who can oversee that is not that big a, a nope. leap there. It's fine. Mm. It's a normal anxiety to have because, as you say, we put a lot of trust. One thing I will point out, and this, if you're of a certain <laughs> Reformed bent, plug your ears. The Bible cannot save you. Yep. Right, a right, right understanding of the Bible cannot save you. The, yeah. bio, the devil knows every word on every page. Absolutely. To Jed's point about um, religious scholars, the religious scholars in Jesus' day knew the Bible as well as anyone ever has. They yeah, spent right. their entire life studying everywhere that Bible. They literally would bind pieces of the Bible to their wrist and head because there's one place in the Psalms that says, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was right in front of them, the Messiah, right. who that whole Bible is about. And they said, nah, nah pass. Nah, so the Bible, close. the Bible is a incredibly useful tool for understanding and growing if you, as part of a relationship with Jesus, but it is not what we put our faith in. Right. That's right. We put our faith in God and then God has given us this book and overseen the translation. That's a small tweak in the thinking, but it's, it's a massive though. shift in attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the ways, personally, I'm saying this, and I came to the faith later in life, and I'm kind of a skeptical jerk and a lot of stuff anyway. It's one of the ways I got a lot of peace about that. So hopefully that helps you. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. Came in anonymous with our Tumblr. It says, what is the biblical, hello, what is the biblical truth between, behind these two oft-spoken Christian cliches? God helps those who help themselves, and love the sinner, hate the sin. Are they biblical statements? And if not, what is wrong with them, and how do we live them out? Jed, why don't you start us off? I can do that. Thanks for the question. It's a cool question. Uh, let's look at the first one for a second. God helps those who help themselves. Um, nope. Uh, that's, that's not in the Bible, and it's not <laughs> biblical at all. It's, Largely attributed to Ben Franklin, who was not Christian. Not yeah. at all. Uh, it's 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 super not biblical. It's it's actually uh, kind of the, the opposite. But what's interesting about it is um, it's really actually a Christianized version of a much, much older saying, uh, which is fortune favors the bold. It's the, mm. it's the same idea. Um, that saying actually goes back thousands of years. It's, it's first recorded use is uh, like uh, 200 B.C. Um, 
Now, the funny thing is that, again, theologically, the idea that God helps those who help themselves is theologically not true at all. Right. Uh, yeah, it, if you it, could help yourself, we would need Christianity. Yeah. The, the, one of the fundamental tenets of Christianity is that you are helpless, so that right. God, ha- you need a savior. But the funny thing is that in kind of practical life terms, um, we say fortune favors the bold. Th- there are aspects of that that are true. Right. Um, it is somewhat true that taking smart risks and showing initiative often leads to better results in your life. Yeah, God may have a desire to bless you, but he intends for you to participate in that blessing. Absolutely right. We, we had a question, I think it was our last episode, had to do with asking people out, um, you know, versus just waiting for your soulmate to arrive. Uh, if you ask out 10 girls, probably one of them will say yes. Um, right, right. Whereas if you ask out zero girls, you will not have a date. Yeah, Abraham right. believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, but then he had to get off his butt and go to that foreign land. Exactly right. right. Exactly right. So again, fortune favors the bold is kind of a secular maxim that says, generally speaking, is it better to be active or passive? It's better to be active. Mm-hmm. That's true. Sure. Um, that's, you know, you don't want to build a core theology on it, um, but it's it's got some truth to it. But here's the thing. This is why this matters. This is about discernment. This is about knowing which parts are true, which parts aren't, and why. Uh, Let me actually just throw in another example really, really quickly. Um, And that's the idea of the power of positive thinking. You hear that Mm -hmm. get thrown around Mm -hmm. a lot. And um, if you say, as a secular concept, is it generally true that people that look on the bright side and try and see the possibilities and whatnot, you know, that they are happier and do better? Yeah, that is true. Yeah, they've actually done psychological laboratory research into people who take a positive disposition, have a higher probability of succeeding. There you go. So there is real measurable truth to that. But if you try and spiritualize it and say, you know, like when you just speak positive things, it's like you speak them into being. And then right. it's like you've just spoken your truth and you've bound things and now they right. have to happen. That is not true at all. Abs- well, it, <laughs> that takes us back to, to uh, Matt's uh, first couple of weeks of, of working here. And every time we would be in a life-threatening situation, I'd say, hey, man, just think positive. Just think positive, bro. And you think, how many life-threatening situations could you be in the first couple of weeks? Quite a few, turns out. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Just think, why are you being so negative? Sure. Just think positive. It'll probably work out. So here, here's my point before I kick these other brothers is um, there are plenty of ideas out there that have some truth in them in some arenas. You know, it might have some, some right. kind of secular applicability, and we don't need to reject that. Again, um, fortune does favor the bold in a limited secular sense. You know, initiative leads to better results. That is generally speaking true. But that doesn't in any way mean that God is looking for you to save yourself because holy cow, is that not true? Yes. Um, very few things are black and white. We need discernment to understand which parts are true, which parts aren't, and why. That's some great stuff. Lee, why don't you take on Love the Sin or Hate the Sin for us? Well, th- this is a, this is, it's, I guess it's just one of those things that people start saying, and it's, it's one of those things that sounds like something that might be a good idea at the beginning. Well, it sounds but, like it could be a verse tucked back there somewhere. Right, but it's not. It's not in the Bible at all. And the really the thing about it is, is it would be better to to kind of reformat this whole thing and say, why don't you just love the sinner and shut up about sin altogether? Who are you? 
Um, why don't you love the sinner? Don't be shocked about their sin or yours, or don't think that you have a right to have an opinion about anybody's sin, or love the sinner and expect heaps and heaps of sin and get ready to be compassionate and forgiving. I think the whole thing on this deal is, is this is a saying that gives people... They and 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 for them to think it's in the Bible, it gives them kind of more permission to feel this way. That I get to judge other people <laughs> in a way where I'm going to love them in the Lord, um, but really. I think they suck, and I think that I'm going to judge them, and I think I'm going to talk about them and all that kind of stuff, because the things they struggle with are not things that I struggle with. And this comes back to a place which really both of these both of these sayings that are unbiblical, like the one that Jed was talking about and this one, they both get completely eradicated if you have some humility, which is... There's no way I can help myself. I'm a person that needs mercy. And so the idea that God helps me as long as I help myself, well, that's not going to get me anywhere because I ultimately, I'm, I'm a person who needs mercy. And then to look at this thing of love the sinner, hate the sin, it's uh, for me to, to think that I have any right to stand on a soapbox about anybody else's sin. Well, I love you in the Lord, dear, but you know, really, we need to knock out the sin kind of thing. This is, again, we're coming from a lack of humility. I mean, whatever you're struggling with, I might not struggle with that thing at the same level that you do, but I've got my own stuff. And if somebody has this attitude, it's just kind of a way of getting away with judging people. It feels like you're covering it up in such a way that, well, I'm, I'm loving the person, but, uh, but really I'm not because I reserve the right to judge what you're doing. And so it's better to say, love the sinner, end the sentence right there. Um, I, I don't get to throw rocks at anybody. I don't get to. I don't get to measure. I don't get to. Uh, I don't get to call you out. I don't get to invite myself into situations. We don't talk about your what your problem is unless you come to me and you're asking for help and stuff like that. I'm not gonna pursue you in that realm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in your face. I'm not going to do anything about hating the sin, which is really just a very thinly veiled, uh, a very thin veneer for me to really kind of judge and hate on you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the right thing. Glenn, I'd like to get you close on this thing. Um, the danger of both of these and of, if you widen it out, kind of Christian-ish sounding things is that they're close enough to the truth, as both of you guys have said, that if you don't look at it right, it just sounds kind of bibly and it sounds, yeah. But when you get into it, there's some real problems with this kind of thinking, right? I think there is. Uh, we can really just split this down the middle. You can really divide not just Christianity, but really society uh, uh, into two big, big groups. Uh, one uh, a set of people will say, basically, fundamentally, I think we need to look out for one another. The point mm-hmm. of having a society, the point of having a culture or, 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 or a, a nation or whatever it is, is we need to look out for one another. We need to do what we can to lift one another up. You help somebody like out to... Like bearing each other's burdens? Yeah, exactly right. You know, uh, 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 I would 
be like we talked about in the last question. I need to take the nature of a servant. I need to think of myself as serving God by helping others. And that at some point, if I need something, then they would be there to help me out. The The second big group that we would put into that you know, big division there are people who are saying, uh, you do you, I'm going to do me. You look out for you, I look out for me. To God's quote ca- some leaders of that movement, there is no such thing as society. Yeah, I, this is... I am going to take care of myself because God helps those, me, who help themselves, me. God will reward me for taking care of me. Sure. If, you know, the right skin color and a big inheritance was part of my setup, well, that's, I still helped myself. Exactly that's the thing right. to keep in mind. Exactly right. So th- having those two big viewpoints really... Uh, uh, if you have the right, what what these guys are illustrating, what Jed and Lee are illustrating, is these can be taken in positive ways if you have that servant mindset. If you don't have that servant mindset, this is anti-biblical. The God says that uh, uh, God helps those who help God. Yeah, you know, and also it it says very specifically, God helps those who help others. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the idea that God would just reward me for looking out for myself is a bit uh, of a of a stretch. Well, the same thing uh, as as both of these guys are pointing out with this love the sinner, hate the sin, because here's the thing: is if you love someone, you will automatically end up hating the things that that sin does to that person that you mm-hmm. love. Sure. You know, the, the, if you love someone and you see that they have insecurity, you just hate that insecurity. You wish you could kill that insecurity. It's, you know, whatever. you're not, you, 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 you don't uh, judge the person. You don't condemn the person because love pushes all that to the side. You have understanding because you love them. Well, because condemning them and judging them wouldn't help get rid of the thing that's killing Absolutely them. Right. That's the goal because you love them. Absolutely right. Now, uh, the problem with this love the sinner, hate the sin thing is I'm convinced most people who use that term, not all, not all, but a lot of people who use that term are really communicating to us, blah, 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 hate the sin. Yeah, they, they skip over that first part pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, I the, I hear the people use that term that clearly aren't operating from a place of love, so there's that. Well, what's interesting is you'll hear people use that. It's one of those things where it's actually happened in stages kind of through the life of the saying, because at this point, most time people say that they've conflated that even to hating the sin is loving the sinner. You exactly know, a lot of tough right. love. Exactly right. What I'm saying is loving the sinner means that you... It automatically leads to that hating what the sin is doing to this person that you love. But the reverse is not true, as you're pointing out. If you hate the sin, if you just hate homosexuality, if you hate, uh, you know, uh, name the pet sin, uh, communism or whatever it is, if you hate this thing that you think is the evil in the world that's destroying society, blah, blah, blah. If you hate that thing, it doesn't lead you to loving people. That doesn't, that doesn't figure. In fact, the reverse is true. The more that you hate that sin as the abstract concept, you end up hating the people who are involved in that sin. Yeah, hate yeah. is inherently dehumanizing. Yeah, exactly right. And you you end up blaming people and and and, and claiming they have an agenda. Exactly right. And it's it's the pop 
a starlet that's wearing too revealing of an outfit and you hate that influence on your child. She's probably the reason my marriage is bad. So, yeah, you end up blaming that pop starlet or whatever, that the, the pop uh, diva or whatever, and you say that person is the cause for all the problems. That's a hateful thing to say. You, you have, you've started hating the sin. You end up hating the sinner. So, really, it's just love full stop. The, we don't need to... The 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 uh, the the vehemence and the it's funny how the greatest commandments uh, when Jesus says those he mentions love twice and hate not at all exactly right the yeah the 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 feeling that we have of wanting to protect the people that we love from the sin that's hurting them uh, is a function of that love that's the that's what God hates about the sin in our lives. It's not that we are doing it and not that we are bad people, but he hates what that sin is doing to us, the way it's hurting us and holding us back. And he wants to set us free from that. That's a desire we need to have with the world. I want to set you free because I love you. That's a great point. You guys have heard a lot of good stuff on this. I, I want to tie this back to the last question we answered. Things like this are why it's very important to have a solid biblical foundation. Mm-hmm. As we're saying, the Bible's not going to save you. It's not so you can be better at Bible than other people. But going back to Jed's point, he made that same question about discernment. Uh, the Bible says we should test every spirit. And one, the best way to do that in a lot of ways is to be able to have a strong biblical foundation so people can't slip stuff like this by you. Because it, it happens on a spectrum. There's And we do we do a certain amount of this part in our preaching, in our... when. Lee and Jed are at worship songs. It's a very important thing to be able to boil something big or complicated or true down into a catchy, what we would call sticky idea mm-hmm. so that people remember it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's, that's a great thing. Right. That's, that's helpful. That's a mystery tool. But it can flip where having the cool saying becomes more important than the truth part. Yeah. yeah. And it's easier to just make the cool saying and not have to work in the uncomfortable biblical truth. This is back to what Lee was saying in this question. The core tenets of Christianity make everybody very uncomfortable. Right. That is inherent. The core tenets of Christianity are you are so utterly hopeless that it took God himself ripping the fabric of the universe apart to fix it. Right. We, nobody likes that. Nobody wants to hear that. That's, and that's fine. And then the other part of it, as Glenn's pointing out, is so that means you're as big a screw up as anyone's ever lived. So you can right. get to judge people's screw up. That's right. You got to right. worry about your own stuff. You're not better than anyone. And people don't like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. counting myself, by the way, sure. and people who don't like these two statements. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very easy to spread a statement that sounds super Christian, but kind of sandpapers off that bit of the Christianity that makes uh, white suburban middle class people feel comfortable about themselves. That's right. So you got to be careful of that stuff, and the easiest way to be careful about it is to be proactive about it in looking at you, knowing what it actually says. Exactly. Right. And as always, if you have a question, you feel something feels funky, write in. So that podcast at gmail.com or the British Chicago For writing the blog, please mention the podcast so I know to answer it. We got an outro song. You heard all these guys talk about how awesome their wives are and the teamwork. We're going to give you an example of that. This is Lee and his wife Christy singing together on his worship song, As I Am. Thanks for listening. Cool. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, we just want to Photoshop our ways into your hearts. And when, <laughs> I I run when I run from you so fast, from you so fast when, I'm when I'm ashamed of all my past, of all my past when you're seeking me love me as I
all I feel is loss and pain, and I don't know what I should pray. You tell me do not be afraid. You love me as I am. There's no one like you. Love me as.